0: They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. can there? i Do you want to go on my shoulders? What? Sorry. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. 3 celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ae forward slash music. Blob Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest, Ali Kobi Eckerman's first collection of poetry, a Little Bit Long Time, and Kami in 2010, both quickly sold out their first print runs. Her second verse novel, Ruby Moonlight, won the inaugural Kuril Dagan National Manuscript Editing Award and the 2013 New South Wales Premiers Literary Award for Poetry plus Book of the Year Award. She's here today to read from and talk about her new book, Inside My Mother. Ali, welcome.
1: Hello, and hello, listeners.
0: Now, I heard you read at the Sydney Writers' Festival in the My Mother's Heart uh, session. And I was so moved, not only by the collective spirit of the poets and the power of the work, uh, but also by the way the audience was drawn in and seemed to participate in the whole process. I, I felt almost like you were the mother of that session.
1: Um, I think maybe um, there is an element of that. I was the facilitator, but, um, you know, even though... Um, that might have given me a larger role. We really work on the quality of everyone and the quality of voice but I don't think I can help um, my maternal instincts. I think it's the residue of not being allowed to grow up my son mm. and having to wait 18 years to get him back and so some of my maternalism haven't been used yet and, um, and so I I bring it to um, to groups like that, and and I'm always watching to make sure, um, you know, by reading faces and body language, that everyone feels comfortable and, and really um, part of the group.
0: Did Did you get to choose the topic? I mean, obviously, the topic is quite relevant to to your own book, um, but also the structure and the process for it.
1: Yeah, that was a, a, a title that I conceived because I thought. It would prompt original thought from all the participants. As
0: as it did, indeed, because there were so many interesting and different interpretations of what it meant to talk about my mother or the notion of motherhood.
1: Yeah, and mother as country, as often Mm. um, Aboriginal people um, relate to. So I really um, enjoyed the journey of watching... Um, the other poets talk about the title and how it might relate back to them, and then <coughs> excuse me, and then um, seeing that freshness in their writings.
0: Mm, for sure. Um I have to ask you about the the in <laughs> At one point towards the end of this the session, um there was a guy who jokingly started to shout a few things out and and he joined the stage. Um he sounded to me like he was he was English. Was that planned?
1: <laughs> or was yes, that, a secret? that was planned. <laughs> he's, he's an integral part of the Redfern Community Writers Group. His family's from Trinidad, but he did grow up in London. Mm-hmm. And when we were thinking about the heckler, um, Will was the obvious choice because of his accent. And um, it's been lovely working from, with him because the issues of race, racism... And exclusion and being stared at, um, you know, he's had those experiences um, larger, um, you know, in, in more than one country. Yes, and um, and and um, I loved how some of the audience heckled him.
0: Yes, and, and his poems. I mean, obviously, the poem that he read was was good. So, <laughs> I, I thought at that point, now this this has to be this has to have been planned.
1: Yeah, I wanted to... um, You know, there's a a remarkable group of uh, writers at the Redfern Community Writers Group. And, you know, Redfern hasn't always had a voice, so it was a privilege to work with them and then to work also um, with the mentorship of Lionel Fogarty and Maggie Walsh. Mm. And um, I wanted to show how poetry can orchestrate an emotional journey and so when we were putting through the reading list that's what I was showing them, so here we'll have a passive one, then Lionel might read um, uh, a protest poem and um, and then there was the wonderful dialogues um, by Elizabeth Waimara um, yeah we all sort of thought about that and so it wasn't just a horizon there was mountains and valleys and um, some of the feedback from the audience said that was really hard to listen to uh, the performance because they felt they weren't in charge of their emotions their emotions were really being um, pulled around the room and that's what we had set out to do because that's the power of poetry I know um, when we went for the Punch in the Guts and the poem I read about um, the grandmother and the little girl driving along um, down the dirt roads, um, looking out for mining trucks. And there was an audio, the audible um, gasp at um, at the at the ending of that poem. And that's exactly what we wanted to achieve, because we really need poetry to help um, non Aboriginal Australians. To really feel what we feel, and then, you know, then the friendships can develop further beyond a polite empathy, mm. and um, and that was really shown at Sydney Writers' Festival when we um, after that, and we were sitting around. Many of people of the audience came and talked, and sat, and had a coffee, and um, um, you know, it's lovely that we can get the opportunity to do a performance. And then later, we've got the opportunity to make a friendship circle. Mm. Yes, and and
0: build those bridges as well Mm. of of empathy Mm. and and understanding, as you say. Um, The poem that you read, um, which is also in Inside My Mother, um, was a very intense one, the first poem that you read, which is I Tell You True. Uh, And I wonder if you could read that now.
1: Sure. It's Um, 53. I Tell You True It was published in my first collection, And because it is such a powerful poem, I have decided that I um, will publish that poem in all my books. Mm. It was a poem that was given to me by a very um, strong and prominent family here in Alice Springs who taught me much. And, um, And so I'll read it now. I tell you true. I can't stop drinking, I tell you true, since I watched my daughter perish, she burned to death inside a car, I lost what I most cherished, I seen the angels hold her as I screamed with useless hope, I can't stop drinking, I tell you true, it's the only way I cope, I can't stop drinking, I tell you true, since I found my sister dead, She hung herself to stop the rapes. I found her in the shed. That rapist bastard still lives here. Unpublished in this... Unpublished. We have to make a cup there. Unpunished in this town. I can't stop drinking, I tell you true, since I cut her down. I can't stop drinking, I tell you true, since my mother passed away. They found her battered down the creek. I miss her more each day. My family blamed me for her death. Their words have made me wild. I can't stop drinking, I tell you true, because I was just a child. So if you see someone like me, who's drunk and loud and cursing, don't judge too hard, because you don't know what sorrows we are nursing. Mm. I've got chills. I'm very um, proud of that poem, as are the family that gifted it to me, or permission um, to use that poem to me. And I was really thrilled because uh, Joe Do- Dolce of um, Shut Up are Your Face Fame has um, put that poem to music. And I think it was maybe 18 months ago he played that in Canberra at a multicultural Conference, and um, I just, it's its such an important poem.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um, so tell me how the whole collection Inside My Mother came together. I mean, presumably lots of the poems have been published or, or read in different venues, but how did the book itself um, come, come together as it
1: is? Well, um, I think, <coughs> sorry, I think I tell you truth is the only um previously published poem this collection is the poems i wrote after my mother died i had known her for such a short time after finding her at the at the age of 33 i was 33 when i met my mother and also in 12 months we lost her two sisters and so um that whole generation line had gone and um I felt very scared because coming back into my family at such a late age, we never really had conversations about when they were gone because we were always playing catch-up time. And, um, yeah, I felt very, very vulnerable. And, again, you know, poetry is such a wonderful medium for me um, and gave me... A grief platform I think and slowly I started writing and jotting down my thoughts and feelings um, thinking about my grandmother and my mother's when this has happened to them so um, it was lovely to sort of start recognizing that it was a generational a generational grief mm. and um, Yeah, and then I went to, I was invited to the University of Iowa's International Writing Program, which is really quite prestigious Mm. and very proud to be the first Australian Aboriginal writer to attend there. Um, And so I spent three months with 28 writers from 28 different countries. And uh, it was just the most rewarding experience um, and so listening to different people's way of um, how they develop the craft of the genre that they want to use, um, hearing different stories from around the world, quite intimately. There's three months is a long time. Mm. Um, and, and then we got to the point, uh, it was a very, very close group, where then we could start talking about families. Some of the writers come from war-torn countries, so they're... Stories were really quite profound for me and, um, and that set the, um, the, the theme for Inside My Mother and, and, and looking at the grief but also the ongoingness of living without her.
0: Yes, and, and as you say, all those generational things too, the, the grandmother, the aunts, Um, The mothering that we do of others, there seems to be, you know, so many implications for for motherhood. And I suppose when you write about it, you you keep finding her, don't you? You keep finding this mother in different places, in different colours, in different ways.
1: Mm. I did spend a lot of time reflecting because, of course, my grandmother was born out bush and lived lived up until she was married, um, traditionally on country. My mother was also born out bush, traditional birth, um, and her time on country was cut short by the atomic bomb testing at Maralinga when family had to leave our traditional country. And then here I am, living in the modern world, connecting with my family later in life, um, having had childhood um, mostly influenced by my adopted family, um, the Eckmans, Um, which was mostly good within the immediate family of the Eckermans. It was the society that sat outside that that made me feel like I didn't belong. And in the process of that, and because my mother um, and and her sisters, we didn't have the conversation about when they'd gone, I think towards the end of the book, I wanted to open up the dialogue that I want to have with my, my children so that maybe their grief, I don't think will be lessened, but they, maybe the journey of, of their grief might be shortened because we've had these conversations. So towards the end of the book, is really quite personal um, and sharing thoughts about me talking to my children while I was overseas. And, you know, happily, yeah. see, they're adopting those conversations. Um, I'm not planning on going anywhere soon. But, um, you know, I've uh, told them uh, a few songs that I want to be played at, at my funeral. And slowly, you know, at their pace and in all kindness, we're going to have those conversations. Um, because that was really missing for me. Mm, For
0: sure. Can you read the title poem um, in the book, Inside My Mother? Sure. It's page 20 if you you need that.
1: It took me a long time to write this poem because this is my last love poem to my birth mother. And it came to me one night. I was uh, camping on a couch in Glasgow in Scotland. Inside my mother. My mother screams as I touch her hair, attempting to brush away the coarseness with my hands, to entwine twigs filled with leaves into her locks, a tiara of green to soften her face. And our tears dry now, my mother is frailing. She talks only to those who have gone before, no longer seeing my love, no longer needing. And the wailing bursts from our mouths as she sinks to the ground, her mother, the earth, my mother, the dying, throws sand in her face, tasting the grit in her mouth, and wailing louder, throws herself forward, pushing her breath into the softness of the earth, her mother, and my mother, the dying crawls down into that final embrace her conversation incoherent now as if like a child she is practicing words for the lifetime to come and the syllables loud and guttural spill over the sand her mother, the earth and I'll walk away leaving her there in that cradle safely nestled in the roots of that tree Safe in her country, our solace, her grave.
0: It's an ongoing conversation, isn't it? As you, you've mentioned. Even, even after death, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know she's, she's still with me, God in my way.
0: Mm. Yes. Uh, and not only the mother from whom you were taken and the mother um, that was taken from, but this is the mother we find again and lose again in, in so many different ways, through death, through independence, and, you know, this tension between the desire to be free from those apron strings, to be ourselves, and the hunger for the protection that they hold.
1: Mm. And, um, you know, the loss of my birth mum has um, strengthened um, the relationship I had with my adopted mother, which is really quite beautiful. I'm sure my birth mother would have wanted that, because uh, great respect, to the woman who raised me and um, and um, tried to guide me, um, tolerated my behavior that took me searching across Australia, never closed the door on me and, and you know, we're really good friends, me and Mum, Frida. I'm really proud of our relationship and I really value it. And she's turned 80 now, um, you know, I've... Uh, she had the experience of going, um, of her suffering a major stroke and watching her recovery, which is just amazing at that age. Mm. She's a tough old bird who, um, you know, has, has really taught me a lot of things. You know, the, um, I remember as a young girl, Mum Frida's mother getting her driver's license for the first time at 70 years of age after grand, grandfather died. Um, and she still wanted to sell flowers. She grew flowers for a living and get them down to the bus at Tanunda. And um, so she, she got her license. She used to learn to drive at Sellex Beach. On the, You can drive the cars on the, on the beach there. And all these adopted grandchildren and other grandchildren would all be hiding in the water because we thought it was probably the safest place because Grandma was behind the wheel of a car. But in doing that, it's taken me years to to um, recognise. Just in viewing that at the young age of eight or nine, um, Mum Frida's mother taught me that women can do anything. Mm. So I'm the that lessons now. Lessons from yeah, Yeah, sorry. From okay. women are um, are just really profound, and uh, I think I've been blessed that that um, in the in the writing of this. Um, of this collection that the expansion of the word mother mm-hmm. has also expanded my eyes to see the strengths and learnings of women um almost beyond the family
0: yes, well I think you know women who lose their mother and and I'm one myself um you know that it suddenly becomes a kind of network <laughs> of support that you find mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. um so on now, that note can you can you read the last kappa?
1: Uh It's 90. I'm quite fond of this time, and at the moment I'm in Alice Springs and I've spent the last three weeks with my daughter Audrey and so I've just been enjoying um, our time for me to be a mother because I haven't always had that role and it comes and goes. But um, as I mentioned earlier, this is how I imagine... It will be the last cuppa. And she just knew that one day she would fall asleep under the blanket that she carried everywhere as a veil from the evils of the world. And she just knew that the blanket would be decorated with a lap rug that her son had tucked around her, that her son had tucked around her so he could hold her one last time and she just knew that her daughter would just know when to come to dislodge the cup of tea grown cold from the sniff from the stiffening of her fingers and brush her hair.
0: That's so wonderful. Now, one of the broader things that happens in this book, and, and we've talked about this a little, is this notion of the mother tongue or, or language, and that really plays out beautifully in the book. Um, one of the poems that particularly, particularly moves me in this way is Kaleidoscope.
1: Yeah. Oh, maybe I like these um, new poems because, for me, I think it's a personal... I can see a bit of a personal growth within myself. I'm very serious now as a, as a writer. I've had um, um, some remarkable successes that I couldn't have foreseen and I really value that and I like, I love the craft of writing and um, I might read Kaleidoscope now.
0: Oh please, yes. I, I love this idea of the shore of languages and the idea of almost being born into, into it. Mm. It's 38 if you need a page
1: number. Kaleidoscope A boy sits on the shore of languages. Water babbles. There are no rocks, no constants. The tide laps gently. On the horizon sunset appears, and colours stretch. Twilight will arise like vows that sustain the sky. Stars burst in a global dance. In the distance, a didgeridoo didgeridoo blows. Comets script the language name. The boy recognises his own. The sea babbles and blurs. The ocean becomes a kaleidoscope, agitating nightfall into shards that cling and separate. Starlight reflect Starlight refracts for a moment, swirling its message. The boy lays down on the shore for a better view. The collided scope begins to turn a little faster. The language names are twining like invisible string. The shards peer away and fall upon each other, and the boy is sated, waiting for the approach of new.
0: Yes, I really feel like this is a, a, almost a birth into language.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, four years after finding my mum, um, then I found my son, my firstborn born son, my only son. And um, so that journey was really quite concise. I was still getting to know my mum, and then all of a sudden I was a mum, greeting uh, you know, this handsome young lad at Alice Springs Airport, and guiding him through the journey as I had known it for four years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of him in there, and um, you know, always those memories are really strong when I come back to Alice Springs because that's really where my own jigsaw and my son's jigsaw. Started um, bringing all the pieces together And we both really grew here With the love and nurture of our families and culture
0: Yes, I, I feel like there's almost a theme running through the book and, and in what you're talking about This notion of words as being healing
1: Yeah, well we really need to get the message of the healing across I think so much has been documented about the Stolen Generation And people forget about the um, the emotional impact. That can be quite long-lasting or can even break people beyond recovery. Mm. And it's really um, important for me to share the voice, to get people to think about it a little bit um, deeper and to write the poetry in a way that people can pl- place themselves in the poem. Yes, to get and, ins- inside and it. And recognition, yeah,
0: yeah. Inside that pain and inside that sense of loss. Yeah. mm so let's talk about animals. Um, the work is full of them. There, there are so many different animals through the the book. But um, one of the things that strikes me, and perhaps because I have them here, is is lyrebirds.
1: Ah. Okay. that's eighty nine. Um, lyrebirds. Meet me at the river where lyrebirds hide. Maybe we will catch a glimpse of them. Maybe. Hold me in that place where shyness and lyrebirds meet. Maybe the tangle of thorns will retreat. Maybe. Touch me softly. Oh, so softly. Stroke feathers on my cheek. Maybe. My softness will return. Maybe. I think I've lived a lot of my life like a lyrebird. Or maybe my emotions were well, like the lyrebird, who preferred to hide than to show them because, you know, I'd, I'd suffered a lot of hurt and I didn't want to show too much of myself in case people hurt me more. And, um, and yet there's yeah, this beautiful song <laughs> mm, mm. that comes out. Yeah, yeah I, you know, when I'm back on country, in the red dirt country in the central Australia, I can really feel the the music of nature, and um, even seeing family walking down the street towards us, and their faces, their faces light up. There's a music in that, and even being offshore, overseas, the longing for home or the thought, the thinking of home, creates another melody that I hadn't expected. Mm. So I love when people can hear the music in my poetry.
0: Yes, and there's the sadness, certainly sadness, tremendous sadness, and anger throughout the book, but I, I did ultimately feel that this is inside my mother as a book of healing.
1: Yes, and someone suggested that my poetry was written from a place of dis- displacement. And, um, oh, you know, I thought about that and I slept on it. And, of course, the, the, the factual historical point of my story Carries a lot of sadness and loss, and there should be anger attached because it, for me, was very wrong,
0: mm.
1: and for many people. But I don't think I write from that. I really write from a place of recovery, and love, and survival, and um, uh, and I think if people read my, you know, have have known my. Books over the over the course of the few years that I've been published, they will see me stepping closer to that to that strength.
0: Yes, the the final poem in the book, in particular, I think really really um, brings this to bear and uh, almost kind of transforms death. Could you read "Evacuate"? It's the last one. Sure. Just trying to squeeze one more in.
1: Evacuate. Today I will relinquish my body. I shall process my dreams of tragedy. My eyelids flicker as I wait for eagle. Only then can I return to myself.
0: Tell me about the writing of that one. It's such a delicate, transformative piece.
1: Yeah. I know it was a very deep poem. But I think, um, you know, as the mother, and when it's my time to leave, going back to the earth will give me a sanctity that maybe I haven't always known in real life.
0: So we're nearly out of time, unfortunately, but um, I'd love to hear, Ali, what's next? What's in the works for you?
1: Well, um, I think it was the influence of hanging out with the other writers at the University of Iowa. That I'm going to attempt a novel, and um, which is quite a novel idea. I never thought I would um, even consider that genre. Um, the palms are still flowing, um, so you know um, they will gather for another collection, um, and um, and I'm just writing them down as as, um, as they pop into my mind. Um, but, yeah, I think I want to flesh it out a little bit more and write more about the love of the desert. And so that's really quite a, um, an interesting um, challenge. For me as a writer, I'm really looking forward to it. I've just shared a few snippets with a close friend, Kate Lawrence, here in Alice Springs and seen the twinkle in her eye, so I'm going to keep going with that. Mm. And, um, and also use the, the love of the desert as a metaphor for Often what we don't talk about um, in per- Or personally
0: mm. Oh wonderful We'll definitely look out for that um, And that is unfortunately all we have time for today But Ali thank you so much for taking the time to talk And listeners Please drop by next month when we chat with Carolyn Martinez who will be talking about her book Finding Love Thank you and
1: bye for now Yeah thank you for the opportunity Bye bye